0: And that's the cool thing about being right above the goal as I can describe exactly in the story how a tech player scored, but if it's at the if it's at the other if it's at the other end of the ice, I'll just be like it looked like he went top shelf, but I can't quite tell exactly. So Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom.
1: Welcome to episode 8 of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey everyone. Rob Gilreath.
2: How's it going, guys?
1: And the college hockey reporter for the Mining Journal and former Minnesotan Ryan
0: Stieg. Good to see you guys.
1: This week we're going to discuss the Northern Michigan series, Joe Sean's comments about referees, uh, the Joe Sean Hour, and look ahead to the series with Alabama Huntsville. Anything big that I'm missing from the last week, guys? Or two weeks for you, Dustin? Nope.
2: No, I don't think so.
1: All right, before we take a break, I just wanted to touch on two things. The authentic jersey order, which I keep getting bugged by a couple of you about, is going to happen, but I still need to work out some kinks of how it's going to happen with the university. If you have interest in a cream, gold, white, or 100-season jersey, continue to go check out jerseys.techhockeyguide.com. We should start ordering, I would think, sometime in January, once we kind of get a sense of how the jersey ordering will actually go and what the process will be to get a customized jersey. That's the big hang-up right now is what we're going to do with that. Uh, The other big news or big thing is the patreon.com slash techhockeyguide is how we fund things. We have a new patron this week in Lauren Zukowski. Uh, they signed up at the black level, or about $5 a month. Uh, thanks for signing up, Lauren, and enjoy the extended podcast, chat, uh, Zoom Chats, and authentic MTU jersey patch. We will be doing a monthly Zoom chat with a special guest. If you'd like to join Lauren and the other 24 patrons, check out patreon.com slash guide. While well, the four main features of being a patron are access to the monthly Zoom chats, which are your chance to ask questions to coaches, players, and alumni of MTU, it's all pretty candid because we don't record it at all, unlike the podcast. So basically, it's your one shot, join in, ask questions, and you get some pretty candid answers when you get it that way. Especially when we have Joe on, although he, based on his comments this weekend, he can be pretty candid. Did you guys enjoy his comments on the show about the the audience and how he played off what he said on Saturday? Or Friday? The
2: differentiation between the audiences for them. Yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting way to approach it. Um, whether that's the best way to approach it, I don't know, but that's not my job. So <laughs> you know, it's it gets heard by both groups, though. So
1: Yeah, we've had Joe Sean on for that. We did John Scott, and we had the current MTU captains do one. Next up should be Brad Patterson, head coach of the USHL Youngstown Phantoms. Hopefully, we'll get that figured out for January. You can attend those at the white level, which is our lowest level, at $2 a month. At the black level, for $5 a month, you get early access to extended versions of all the podcasts and occasionally some extra content that I'll try and hash out. I know I used to promise recruiting podcasts, but that hasn't really materialized because I'm too busy with this one. Also at this level or above is an authentic MTU jersey patch, which we'll mail out to you. Uh, the final feature that we recently added is the full-length unedited Zoom videos of our recording of the podcast for those diehards that want even earlier access of the unfiltered podcasts, which will include, what, four and a half minutes or more of us...
2: Swearing at their mics?
1: Discussing Rob's bad day and uh, <laughs> figuring out a mic check today, having some issues there.
3: That's going to be super interesting.
1: Yeah, that unfiltered podcast is now available at the gold level for $10 a month. I know we got, I think we got made fun of in Discord today about, uh, I complained about the Zoom video and somebody said I needed to sign up as a patron at the $25 level to get access. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor and we'll come back and talk about the Northern Michigan series. Finally get a chance to play Northern Michigan after the first series was canceled. Michigan Tech came out pretty strong, I thought, and played a pretty good series. And you could kind of tell that Northern Michigan hadn't played much this year, and especially on Sunday early on, it felt like they weren't really ready to play a third game in, in what, five days. And I got some of that out of Patolny's comments from Saturday with some of your questions there, Ryan. What were your perceptions of the weekend, Ryan?
0: What I noticed is that what I suspected on Wednesday's game was exactly what happened on Saturday and that Northern showed its rust. They showed that they were potent, you know, offensively when they were playing Ferris that, you know, they can score quickly. They got a variety of scores, but they still haven't played enough game action where if things get difficult that they can handle it. I mean, when they, you know, they had a big lead against Ferris, almost blew it. They fell behind Tech on Saturday and just had a very hard time coming ba- come back from that. And then the uh, lack of aggressive play in the first period Saturday really stuck out to me. I'm not used to that. And in the post game comments. I found, it,
2: I found it really enjoyable. <laughs>
0: Was it, it was just funny how it turned out that they they preach being aggressive repeatedly and they just didn't do it. And Petoni himself thought he was dumbfounded that it happened that way. So, yeah, it was uh, that was what stood out to me the most.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that on at least on the Saturday night game is I felt like we let them stay around too long, even right. You're up one to nothing, dominating play for that long, and unable to score a second goal for Tech on Saturday night was an an interesting way to to watch that game. When we finally opened it up with the second goal, it, I suddenly felt a lot more comfortable. <laughs> you know, being being one nothing through the whole second period with our typical second period fun that we've been having for a while, you know, was uh was a nervous point for me watching the game for sure. Yeah, and it, it was quite a while for Northern to even get a and they only had five shots in the first period it was quite a while to get past that one shot they had one shot i think almost into maybe the 10th minute or so of the first period it was a single shot on goal for northern so that's definitely not the aggression that grant and you know you're talking about there
1: well and it was pretty disappointing to see them not take advantage of the the five minute major yeah for sure cut it short on themselves too but and then that was obviously an interesting aspect of everything that that Lofgren took that crappy hit or caused that crappy interaction and ended up getting the call on the uh, review. And I actually did reach out to the league and I haven't gotten an answer yet because I don't know. Ryan, do you know if a player is allowed to be given the misconduct on review?
0: That I'm not sure about, but I think if you, if they don't deliver one on the ice, I don't think they can hand one out after, you know, the game has passed. I, I think it was just going to be a major on the ice. And, uh, the fact that I haven't heard anything, you know, from the league kind of says that that's going to be the extent of it is that he, you know, got a five minute major and, uh, Grant pulled him for a shift and, uh, that will probably be the end of it.
2: It wasn't just a shift he pulled him for. He pulled him for the rest of the game, basically. I don't think he saw the ice again, did he?
0: Um, I don't believe so. Um, but he's well, Grant said he pulled him for a shift, so I don't know how long that shift can. Cont-
1: I thought it was longer than that. I don't. Yeah.
0: Well, he said I thought it was longer than that too, but Grant said he pulled him for a shift, so I'm just going by what he said. Sure, fair enough.
2: I mean for him to have for for him Lawford to have no shots all game um, I'm pretty sure he didn't see the ice again at that point because he's almost always up there he's going to have a couple of shots almost every game right so
1: I maybe he meant after a shift because he played after the penalty ended
2: I don't yeah maybe he maybe he was out there right after the penalty that's true but I I don't think he saw the ice again and in all honesty that, that I have a little respect for P- P- polney for for being willing to do that and to bench his own player like that after a call after a a penalty like that you know law obviously had a ton of penalty problems he was him and uh who was second in the league after him last year
0: well it was actually hank Sorensen led the nation and then griff griffin locker was second so
2: okay yeah you guys were number one and two in penalty minutes that's that's what i'm getting at i can remember which one of the two it was
3: tanner edwards is going to give him a run for his money (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah give him time. He's gotta play first.
2: <laughs>
1: Edward still uh, hasn't even played a game, which was actually a question we got last week. Dustin, so we gotta remember that okay so i gotta to check say. him each week after Ryan has to go. We can talk about that,
2: but yeah he's he he's the kind of player that's out there he's he's the under your skin kind of player he he just has to learn where that line is and and he's a shorter guy too. So he's going up against the guy that's obviously pretty tall, and he goes down so low that he hits literally only his leg on that hit. Yeah, i did. you can't do that.
1: I really don't understand how four guys missed that.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't that's another
1: It was a blatant like yeah. uh, we'll have we'll have to see if maybe you can cut that out of the feed so we can embed that. I know somebody did, but the quality was terrible on because it was more of a gif, but
2: yeah, he he goes he goes down low.
1: It looks like he's basically hip like hip checking him with his shoulder. Like it was weird how low he got on the guy. It
2: it looks like a chop block in football, where you're basically going to blow a dude's knee out. And, and and in all honesty, you're lucky to not have somebody get injured with a hit like that. And that kind of crap just it it doesn't belong. A good body hit's a good body hit, but that's body to body. It's not body to lower knee or lower leg, right? I mean, I don't know. There's no reason for that. It should have been five right away. I don't understand how it's not a misconduct, unless, like, what you guys are talking about is you can't go to a misconduct after uh, a review, which could very well be.
1: I'm honestly kind of surprised I didn't get an answer yet. They're usually pretty good about that when it's They've got your name (laughs) flagged. Maybe. That's this guy again. I'm in the trash filter. I
2: did think that our major probably could have been a two for boarding, but you know, obviously that's a bit a bit of bias, of course, right? But it looks like to me on our major, our guy, uh, our guy wraps him up as he goes into the boards and doesn't let him go flying in, so I, it was boarding, I think, but I don't know if it warranted a five. But you know, that's 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 just my my bias on that one.
1: And the and the thoughts on the penalty shot.
2: Yeah, I don't get it. I, I I don't. I have seen more breakaways that look like clean space not get called penalty shots. To see one where he's cutting between two guys, so he's not clear, and he's that low already that you can't have the ability to be clear and free yet because you're so low on the uh, in the ice already. I don't understand.
1: I thought you were required to be clear at. The blue line.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the specifics are in the rules, and granted, I've never refed a game of hockey in my life, so I could be completely talking it out of my rear end here. But I don't understand how that warrants a penalty shot. I yeah, there are more. I've I've watched more breakaways where you don't see a penalty shot when something happens, giving the defender that uh, that um, that space compared to what we saw on. Well, that was on that one was on Saturday, wasn't it? Or is that on Friday? I don't remember. Whenever it was.
1: The, the penalty shot was on Friday because it gave them the second goal and then the... Oh, that's right, yeah. The empty net or the extra attacker was the tying
0: goal.
2: Yeah, that, that, that penalty shot to me is... that's crazy.
1: Ryan, what did you think of the penalty shot?
0: I was frankly shocked that he got a penalty shot out of that. I mean, I can understand <laughs> making the case for a penalty because I understand that... It was a penalty for sure, yeah. But, I mean, I just... A penalty shot, it's like, I feel like it has to be blatantly obvious. Like a guy was dragged down, like he was in the act of shooting or something for me to think, okay, this should, this should have been a penalty shot. So when they called for it, I actually did watching on TV, I did a double take trying to figure out why, we, why would they call a penalty shot? And it ended up, of course, going in on the penalty shot, but I, I, I could understand if Joe was upset over that because I didn't think it needed to be a penalty shot.
2: I actually made the comment when we were talking uh, about it that, oh, I'm glad we got the penalty shot. The way the shootouts go, you have better chance of saving something on that than the penalty kill. And uh, well, I was not correct. <laughs> but hey, it keeps our PK, it keeps our PK stats nice and high, right? Because <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't dingy on the PK, and our PK is uh, pretty decent right now.
1: <laughs> so speaking of watching on video, Ryan, I think I saw on Twitter that you have never watched the game at McGinnis yet.
0: Yeah. How does that happen? Well, every time since I've been up here, you know, if if you guys don't know, it's like I cover, you know, high school sports in addition to NMU. So whenever NMU is, you know, out of town that I could go see tech, I'm either covering like a high school basketball game or a high, you know, high school hockey game or I'm something and I can't go. So my hope is that maybe with, you know, having these Sunday games, you know, maybe on the schedule or some rescheduling, I maybe can go up there and cover one. Maybe not. It may not be a tech northern one, but just so I can experience it, because everybody tells me oh, it's a great place to watch a game. And uh I feel like I need to eventually get up there just so to experience it, maybe not even as a reporter, but just in general.
2: Yeah, there it, I mean, it's definitely a fun place to watch a game. There's no doubt about that. And yeah, a Tech Northern game is 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 a, its own brand of fun compared to others. Uh, a Carnival game or a Tech Northern game is, is the is the best way to experience it, for sure. Yeah, I was just surprised when you mentioned that. I looked around, how does that even happen?
1: I guess I can understand it more. Like, is high school sports even happening? Like, why didn't you make it this week?
0: Well, I knew they have, uh, you know, schools have, you know, restrictions on the amount of media that they can come Two games. I mean, the Barry is, I mean, they only had, they only let like five guys in out of the media. So it's really clamped down on it. And I was just like, well, you know, I don't want to go out there and mess up with anything like that. So hopefully, you know, um, when they have the next tech northern game, maybe a series, I can come up there and go to that. But I just didn't want to mess around with everything because I know. I do not want to make things difficult for Calvin for going up there because I know he's under a lot of stuff, too. So I was trying to be the considerer reporter. Makes
1: sense. I think they have a little bit more room, especially when you can, if, if other, you know, if scouts or whatever come, it's not like they need to sit and press row this time because they can sit on right. the other side at the top <laughs> or whatever yeah. and be out of the way. Or in
2: any of the stands that are open, in all honesty. I did notice that uh, there was a comment by Dirk uh, about the Barry and covering from the Barry. It sounds like he wasn't in the press box this weekend. They, he, ha- he was set up in one of the suites uh, to keep things isolated at the Barry because he mentioned some of the sight lines were not what they normally would be. And he couldn't see he couldn't one of even the corners. Couldn't see one of the corners. Yeah, like yeah. it's coming. I'm not gonna say that I would make stuff up when it was down there, but you know, you gotta do your best. <laughs> <laughs> it was something along those lines. But yeah, they set him up in one of the suites. It sounds like, With you know the concrete yeah. boxes. They always look like jail cells to me when I look at the suites at the Barry. That's all I could think of.
1: <laughs> yeah, jail
3: cells with catering.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Here's your. It literally is a box. I mean, it, it is the definition of a the box. That makes the
3: GL cell a lot more attractive. Yeah, catering. <laughs>
0: well, to be honest, guys, there's. I mean they spread everybody out. I mean if if you're watching the game at the Tech Northern game and you're looking above the goal, that's where I'm sitting. I'm I'm on top, I'm right behind the goal. That's where they put the media and then they put Dave Dennis who does the radio for NMU, he's in a suite that's like two suites by the press box, so he's looking at an angle too. So like Dirk, he can only see like <laughs> maybe like three fourths of the rink, so it's not ideal, really. So,
1: who's in the actual press box? Is it is that just be the like everybody who's counting shots and the, that type of people versus the actual radio guys or what?
0: I think, uh, well, the last one uh, on Saturday, it's, it's the guys who are doing the TV for flow hockey. They're, they're okay. filming in there. And I know that I think there's somebody from the league is up there and maybe one or two guys from the league. And I think NMU has one of their, you know, people up there just trying to monitor the situation. But, uh, you know, before it used to be, you know, the radio guys, the TV guys, and then usually, you know, whoever was doing you know plus minus for tech and it was usually me at the very end but uh it's definitely different this year it's uh i i can see directly where a shot goes in that's the cool thing about being right above the goal as i can describe exactly in the story how a tech player scored but if it's at the (laughs) other (laughs) if it's at the other if if it's at the other end of the ice i'll just be like it looked like he went top shelf but i can't quite (laughs) tell exactly
2: so yeah that's that's why i I don't like sitting on the end usually i might prefer to be as close to center ice and as high as possible when i when i watch a game I don't like sitting on the end of the ice because you can't see the other end at all. You do get your side really well, but you can't see. So, like, when we when we we're at Ferris, right, we were on one of the ends. Well, Ferris is a miniature rink as it is, right? Uh, but when we were down there, we were on the end, and I, I just don't like watching hockey from the end of the rink. I'd much rather be high center.
3: It, it depends on the game because, like, me and a buddy had seats in the, the end at the Final Five for a few years. They're his tickets, and he let me tag along. First row on the end at the XL, which was great when there's the two teams that you don't care about, and which was almost all the time for me. Because (laughs) ah, good old days. You you just don't really pay attention when it's on the other end of the ice, and then you get you're right there, and you can see everything on the end of the ice. You, You know, so you know, as long as you don't really care that much, it's great.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll sometimes go and watch like if I'm back home at McGinnis, I'll go down and you know stand behind the net on the ice level, uh, on the on the far end there for a couple periods, which is nice on the weekend. But I would much rather be up high center to see everything developing because you just you don't get that same feel of how the play is flowing when you're when you're down close.
1: No, you don't. I do remember enjoying Mike's seats at the old Final Five down in the corner front row.
3: Yep. Those, that's what I was talking about. Those are. Yeah. But I would, they're not that great when you're, if it's a team that you care about and you can't see anything in the other, other end of the ice. I mean, if you don't really care and you don't care if you miss something that, at the other end yeah. of the ice. Then it's it really exciting matter.
1: when the action's on your end, but you're really. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind it's
0: of, feast of, or famine, right? when you right? drink your beer. And,
2: yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Getting to the final five, just for a little tidbit, for you guys. I had the seats directly on the drink rail at the very top row at the X during the final five, so I got to sit and put my beer on the rail while everybody else sat. <laughs> <laughs> that was that, that was that was my seats for ten years, so it was a blast sitting up there. Yeah, yeah those aren't bad That's either.
2: perfect. Like uh, when we when we played out uh, east. In Connecticut, one of the periods there, we were up, I was up on the club level, just standing, watching in the corner instead of being in our seats, and that's where we watched the next game from up there because it was the view was fantastic.
1: I wonder when we're gonna have more time for like story time. What do you want to tell us? We... Ta-
3: tell about the the bar trip in uh, Ralph Engelstad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was gonna about. talk. I was
1: gonna talk about the since we're talking about the final five. I was gonna talk about the time that I got to watch. Blake Wheeler beat North Dakota while I was sitting next to TJ Oshi's mom and grandma. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that would give it some interesting perspective.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, it was it was a it was a fun game because I somehow got like a ticket off the street that I sat next to her and she was gorgeous, so was his grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and literally the whole game guys are like buying her beer and she can't keep up so she gave me like every other beer to drink, so I got plastered <laughs> off of random dudes buying drinks for TJ Oshi's mom, and then like I'm celebrating high fiving her when North Dakota scores because who cares? And then Blake Wheeler, <laughs> it was Blake Wheeler, right? Didn't he have yeah. like the Bobby Orr diving goal? Yeah, that was Wheeler. Whatever? Yeah, yeah. So I got to watch that goal with TJ Oshi's mom. I, yeah, that was a fun time. That's a good game. I remember having a lot of fun watching that game as a neutral. Not really caring because I didn't yeah, really that, care for either team at the that, time. <laughs> that's
2: that's been most uh, that's been most postseason tournament type things I've gone with the techs in the last ten years has been well we watched our game. Here's the rest of the weekend of hockey that we can't care about anymore. Unfortunately,
1: I'm really glad that that tech made that tournament. What year was that? Even that we got to watch like when they swept CC and we went to that series. We got stories about that one too. But was
3: that the was that the year they got knocked out by Jason Zucker in the final
1: five? No, nighttime. that was later. The the I think the I don't know what year I guess the the Wheeler thing happened, but the first time they made the final five is when they got crushed by Wisconsin, and Teslac had a bad day. That's the first yeah. time since like the nineties that, that like, they had made it. That was like
3: oh six or something like
1: that. Oh seven. I think it was 07 because then oh eight was the year we oh seven oh eight was the year we almost won the GLI, which was the year after that. Fun times, too, watching that in a bar in Blaine, Minnesota, and the TV cut out between the first and second overtime, and we didn't think we were going to get to watch any more hockey, and then it finally came back just in time for us to watch us lose. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, yeah. So back on topic, is there anything about the series itself you guys want to touch base on yet, or should we go and see if I can actually make Joe's comments play here so we can talk about them?
2: I prefer we just wander under like two little minute segments so Matt has a real fun time writing the recap.
1: Okay. (laughs) We'll have some fun with him, huh? (laughs) All right. So let's see if this works.
2: Yeah, it looks like it is
1: with head coach joe sean after a 4-3 overtime victory here tonight over arch rival northern michigan uh coach from a fan's point of view what a fun game to watch here tonight i thought both teams played really well and um, it maybe deserved to be a, an overtime win for one of the teams and i'm glad it was us
4: well i give our guys a lot of credit I, i'm 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 getting tired we had to uh i i've about had enough i don't get on here i don't complain i don't i don't but I've I've had enough of this. This is absolutely ridiculous. that with our guys, the subtle things that you may not even see up here, the subtle things that go on to handicap our hockey players in this league by the by the officials, is is in my opinion, is a travesty. It shouldn't happen. They gave them a, we had four men on the ice and got a too many men on the ice call, of uh, four men on the ice. And let's just say we had five men on the ice. You're allowed a 10 foot grace period at the bench, and our and the fourth guy was at the bench. You, it's and, and the referee says to me, if I made a mistake, I apologize. If I made a mistake, I apologize in a three, one game. It's, it's not good enough. I've never seen a penalty shot given on a breakaway from the hash marks in, I mean hash marks in, how can you be possibly be in the clear from the hash marks in you? You can't be. And then Carson Banner goes down the other side on the breakaway in the third and gets a two hand slash across the elbows. And there's no call made because he doesn't go down and doesn't die. But what goes on in our league is biased in my opinion, for sure, the things that have gone on against Michigan Tech in our league, by by the officials in our league, should never happen. The, at the end of the game there, the, the face-off is on, they set the puck on the one side, and then they decide to move the puck to the other side. Like, why? And then he, and then I asked him why, and he said, I'm just venting. I asked him why, and he said, that's the, that's the side you changed on what does the side that we ha- we changed on have anything to do with where you put the puck for a face off with too many men or with the with the goalie pulled i mean it's only fitting that he kicked the puck to the slot to their guy at the end there to get the the goal to tie the game it's <laughs> i'm venting i'm upset <laughs> our guys i'm I'm tired of our guys having to be two goals better than the opposition two weeks ago we're in here and we get two 5 minute we get 5 minute major each night called against us and i mean it it goes on and on and on and it's it's wrong. It's a Michigan tech bias for sure. It was here when Mel was here. I thought it was they were upset with Mel, and it's been here since I got here. And you know what? It's wrong. And I can't wait till next year when this is done. Our guys play too work too hard. And I, I know, I'm gonna get in trouble that but it's wrong. What goes <laughs> on against our guys is absolutely wrong.
1: All right. So Joe went off. Ryan, have you ever heard anything close to that from Joe before?
0: You know, I've been in press conferences with Joe and doing recaps, and whenever the concept or the idea of the officiating comes up, he really restrains himself on saying what he really wants to say. I mean, I remember after the playoff series, you know, this past season when it was asked, I think, I think I was the one who asked him and I said, thoughts on the officiating. Cause I'm sure you guys watched it. It wasn't ideal in game two and the third triple overtime. And, uh, He said he didn't want to say because then he'd get called into the principal's office (laughs) on Monday. So he – yeah, so he – I haven't seen him go off like that in a press conference on the officiating. And I'm a little surprised the league hasn't really said anything because I know the league is really clamped down on you can't criticize the officiating, you can't do anything associated with the league. So I I was a little surprised they didn't at least – you know criticize joe for saying what he said but i don't i don't know it was, it was an interesting interview let's put it that way
3: certainly was well everybody at the league office probably already knows they're dead anyways so <laughs> 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 they're,
2: they're it's their uh their uh senior semester style yeah co- coasting through yeah. the last year of stuff yeah
3: or, they're all getting their resumes in <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I've heard Joe say a lot of that last bit about like Mel and all that stuff before. I'm 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 guessing based on the reactions I've heard from other people that it was either when I had talked to him on the phone one time or uh when I was up in Houghton talking to him about stuff specifically. So it's not new to me, uh but it is interesting to hear him say it publicly even if he's going to try and claim that it's uh like he knows his audience he's directing that at tech fans and it kind of reminds me uh (laughs) i don't know if i'm gonna get in trouble here for the way for this but it it reminds me a ton of like his excuse as to why he said it reminds me a ton of all the crap we're getting with like the right-leaning media right now where they say what those people want to hear but it's not fact at like it's not based in fact at all like it's And then I saw one of those outlets today, like, basically had a video clip of them saying, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with voting machines, blah, 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 because some lawyer told them they need to do this because they're getting in trouble for all the lies they're telling. And it kind of reminded me of that, where he's trying to act like he's talking to a specific audience and he's forgetting that it's 2020 and it's literally a segment, like a clip on YouTube now, not to mention... uh, who I don't who what, was it, you Ryan, that actually like put the quote up, or
0: that was uh Adam Neamey of uh the Houghton Daily Mining Gazette who put that up, uh, because he was at the game Friday and I was just watching it on TV back in Marquette, so that, that was his doing yeah,
1: so. He put up like the text of exactly what Joe said, and then of course, like Sloshman uh, retweeted Dustin's, it, and a bunch Dustin's of
2: Dustin's other... favorite uh college hockey news guy had a whole series of tweets on it.
1: Oh yeah, Schlossman. Yeah, that's no, no, no,
2: part. not Schlossman. Oh. Who else does does Dustin hate in terms of college hockey Twitter?
1: I
3: don't hate Schlossman.
2: Yeah, no, it's not Schlossman. Schlossman stuff. I think I thought was pretty reasonable on it. Siski, uh, No, nope, no. Nope,
1: I don't know who he hates.
2: <laughs> Dilks.
1: <laughs> oh, Chris Dilks. Oh yeah, yeah Chris I Dilks. do hate him. Chris, I, I really, I really do. I I get the sense that Chris Dilks takes every opportunity he can to dunk
2: on on us. Yeah, to I dunk agree. on Sean. I want like, Sean. Think he, I agree. With I you think it's Sean
1: specifically. I don't think it's Michigan Tech. I think it's uh, I have a feeling it has it it has something to do with with Joe's political beliefs and that Dilks just does not like him. So any chance he can get to dunk on him, he does it. And yeah, and I know Dustin doesn't like Dilks at all because it's always. I don't know. He's al- He's always kind of been not afraid to poke fun of or dunk on tech when he gets the chance and call us whatever he wants. So, yeah, I guess I'm not surprised by that at all. But
2: Yeah, he went through and actually he clipped out each of the parts that, um, each of the parts, a video clip of each part of Joe's little speech there and had the actual on-ice event that Joe was talking about for it. Uh, to have you see, it's actually a pretty decent recap of it, but it definitely has a sarcastic uh, tilt to the way he presents each clip.
1: So, is he trying to claim that Joe was like wrong on all of them?
2: One hundred percent, yes. Okay.
1: Was Joe wrong on all of it? I mean, I should probably look at the string myself, or at least we'll we'll uh, put it in the liner notes. But because I'll be honest, I kind of half watched Friday.
2: There are parts of it where I think Joe's on point. There are also parts where I think because of what happens on our side, he's reacting to things that are happening back to us as well. The 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 too many men on the ice call is 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 ridiculous. I I there was four men on the ice. That's not too many. That's like a kindergartner can count that and go, yep, that's not five. It's four. That means it's not too many.
1: Okay.
2: So that that one is is by he, he's wrong. There's there's no doubt about it. The the players wrong. Uh, the the refs are wrong on that one. Okay. You know we've talked a little bit, but I think before we started recording or even as we've been recording about the breakaway. Yeah. And that being a penalty shot, I can see being angry there too. He's he's way too low for it to be a penalty shot, and I'm gonna have to look at the rule book before I grump too much about it to see where, you know, and what that language is. But I don't. I don't see that being a penalty shot based on what I've seen called from a breakaway perspective in other instances.
1: Well, let's just say they're WCHA refs. So I'm not entirely surprised that they got a call wrong.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, the reality of it is Joe is 100% right that the officiating in this league is awful. I I don't know if with the whole you know all the stuff about being biased and uh, against tech and stuff. I I don't I
1: don't think that's necessarily true, but I don't think it's bias. I just think it's bad roughing and bad leadership in
2: general. Yeah, I think you're probably. That...
1: But my biggest comment on all of it was, Joe thinks it's going to be different next year, and I'm not sure it is because it's probably going to be a lot of the same refs. So that all comes down to the leadership and really finding a way to change things. And I also do think some of it, like, I think part of what bothers me is that at least the way Joe talks about the interactions is it never feels like the refs are all that confident in their decisions. So it comes across as very lazy and like confusing and like st- they're just making it up as they go along. Yeah. Yeah, it de- it definitely feels that way.
2: Well, one of the things I think that would make a huge difference and given all the technology that everybody's put into their ranks, is give give the refs an actual opportunity to mic up and say what they're looking for before they go in. And we talked when, we, when we've talked to a couple of people, we've talked about how they're that's supposed to be announced in the arena as to what they're exactly they're reviewing it for and it just doesn't happen most nope. of the time. And that's on the that's on the arenas themselves not getting that information and getting it to the PA guy to actually make that announcement. That's not on the refs. But it
1: also could be the refs not giving them that info to begin with. Sure, but, but
2: whoever's down in the penalty box when they come in and review it, there's got to be somebody that's responsible for getting that to the PA guy because in a lot of cases the PA guy is not down there in the box, right? Someone's got to right. relay that relay that information up to the PA. You know, at certain ranks they are <clears throat> they are in the box, but you know at Tech they're not, right? You know, Mitch is, is up high. He's not down in the box anymore. He used to be down there when, you know, when we were uh, in school, but he's not anymore. So if you were to give him that info, he couldn't say it. But that doesn't happen half the time.
4: No. Well, why I, don't we do I something like college, ho- be-
2: or college football where, or NFL where there's literally a mic'd up ref? You come out, you say what's happened, and you're done. You know what it
1: is. Yep. No, they should take the NHL approach and they should announce it before they go to review. Yep. I mean, I think there was even a moment this weekend. On Saturday, they had a review. Was that in the first period, Ryan? Yeah. Then they have a review where uh, Patolny uses timeout for a review in the first period on Saturday, like ten minutes in.
2: Yeah, I, th- I, it was on on Saturday night. I thought.
1: Yeah, Saturday night in Northern, they had a review like ten minutes into the game that was instigated by Patolny. So he used his timeout for it, and. I was listening to the replay this morning, and Dave Danis didn't have a clue what was being reviewed, and I like I didn't pay a hundred percent attention while while they were reviewing. So maybe he finally figured it out. Well, and the
2: the other the other piece to that is Northern called a timeout later in the game, so it had to have been something that Tech asked for if the review didn't result in something, because we would have been the one that had to have lost our timeout at that point because. Northern called a timeout later in the game. It's either that or they decided that they forgot they took his timeout away and give Northern a second timeout.
1: Yeah, I thought, I don't know, that was confusing on the broadcast too because I thought they clarified that it was an official timeout for something when we thought Northern took theirs. Well, you don't necessarily
3: need to take a timeout. I mean, they, they can ask the officials to review without requesting it right they they can ask any officials think that it's i you know valid i th-
1: i thought they changed that rule did they in the last year or two where it it basically all had to be from like it was timeout or like yeah i don't know it's all confusing i can't keep up with some of these especially the review rules but ryan do you know what happened with the timeout and the challenge
0: well, here's the funny thing, I don't even know either, because when it happened, nobody <laughs> knew what was getting reviewed. nobody knew who called for it. and it was this lengthy review and it gets announced that oh you know, timeout charge to Michigan Tech is what the PA guy said. And okay. then I'm getting texts from somebody else saying, well, the guys on the TV said, it was Northern who called for it. And yeah, that, the, you know, that's so, what Dennis said
2: on the radio too. So that makes sense then yep. where the confusion comes in. If, if we asked for it and maybe the PA announcer in the arena was correct then because the TV and and, and I wasn't watching on TV six, but, you know, Dennis on the radio on flow because that's where the, the, the audio comes from for flow. He definitely said uh, that it was something Northern had asked for and he wasn't sure what it was.
1: Yeah that's why they need to announce this stuff right so going into it we know who's challenging what they're challenging and and actually have a clue what the hell's going on and i think that would solve a lot of problems because especially from this perspective of it gives one less piece of ammunition to the coaches to complain about right. if we all know what happened and can contradict and it contradicts what the coaches are claiming happened Obviously, we can't do anything about some of the stuff that Joe said about what the refs told him because that's not getting picked up on like on the too many men penalty where he said, you know, I'm sorry if I was wrong or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see if the reffing actually does get better. Like, I think in general, people probably think NCHC refs are better than WCHA refs, but. There's still plenty of complaining about refs over there, and I think you're always going to have that in college hockey because these guys are all part-time. And I don't know. Would you really want to put up with us as fans? <laughs> like, like this yeah. year might be easier because they're like we're not there, but I don't know. Not all the fans were probably as nice as we were to the referees at the bar after the game.
3: I mean, I I think it's worse now than it was when when we were going to games every weekend. Tim, like, I I don't know I don't know how to quantify it, but it it seems worse. It, you know, we had complaints about calls back then. We always did, but nothing seemed as egregious as some of the stuff we see now. Maybe it's recency bias, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't ever remember feeling, like, I could feel like a ref got a call wrong, but I don't ever remember feeling like they didn't understand the rules. I've never seen a penalty shot called like that on that play before in my life at any level. So what the heck rule do I not understand from how long I've been watching hockey that, and usually I'm pretty good about, if there's anything I understand about hockey, it's usually the rules, because that's relatively concrete compared to, like, I am not the person to tell you systems or schemes. Like I don't really get that side of hockey enough to, to talk about what tech did and what worked other than seeing like power plays and penalty kills and those specific systems, because they're, they're more obvious and they're more like in the zone versus like the full sheet of how players are supposed to flow and what they're trying to do. Like that, I don't get, but I'm always been good about trying to understand the rules because they're more concrete and that way I can have a sense of whether or not the ref was good or bad on a, on some given situation. And that penalty shot just doesn't make sense to me. I should have taken the time to review the too many men penalty, but if they literally had four men on the ice, like what's the call? It doesn't make sense.
2: It's one of those things where the, the puck goes through the bench really quick, right? And and it looks like the player who is near the bench is playing it as he's going off. But if, if and the guy that was coming on from and this is going off the top of my head without watching it back again real quick is that the the guy that's coming on is coming on for another person. So he's he's changing for somebody else, and the guy that plays the puck on the ice...
1: So one guy already came off.
2: Yeah, yeah he, okay. he, it's, it's two guys are coming on and off the ice at the same time. And the one guy holds, and hit that player hits the grabs the puck, if, from what I remember. But it's one of those things that if, if you look at it real quick and you don't have the full view, you don't have the full view, you don't know.
1: If you don't understand the fact that the guy coming on is not replacing the guy that touched the puck... Right, you 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 could easily see why it would be called a penalty, but the fact that the guy who's replacing the guy touching the puck has, has hasn't actually gone on the ice yet, so I guess I can see why that would be called and how it could be missed. But you would think one of the other three guys on the ice would see that. Much like when they miss an icing call, they talk about it and understand and fix it. Like, yeah, like, that shouldn't be something. And maybe that's one of the other issues of all of this is these refs at this level are not comfortable in in overturning the other one on something and actually talking like they should. But uh, that all has to come from the top. And I th- we all kind of agree that probably the biggest problem beyond the people, the refs, is the head of refs who's an old boys club person and has been there since, like, I don't know, since Dustin was born, it feels like. (laughs) A long time. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's beating a dead horse. But all in all, kind of just to circle back to the series as a whole, I was actually really impressed with Michigan Tech this weekend. And and last week, I actually, before the second game last weekend, I got an email saying that the three of us should reevaluate our our expectations for the team this year, and like all that stuff, because of how bad they had played through the first what was it three games, five games, five games, and then I emailed him, the person who sent this, I emailed him on sunday and and said, "How do you feel about our predictions now after the last three games <laughs> and He kind of <laughs> laughed at me and And they've definitely turned it around and looked better, and who knows how that'll actually progress.
2: That's the fun thing about us speculating here, right? I mean, we're we're just three guys watching the games from a state away, right? (laughs) And the other other problem
1: you have is you can't quite... It's really hard to to predict things, and part of the reason we didn't have Ryan on again last week uh, was because we did the other sort of podcast, but also because... Northern hadn't played yet. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for Northern. We've had three... three weekends in a row now where the team we've played, other than that game Wednesday against Ferris, but when we were recording, the teams we had played hadn't played a game. Like, Mankato and Bemidji hadn't played a game since that first weekend where they played one game and then the rest got shut down. And so... Every weekend going in, we haven't had much to go on to, to look at for us to predict from. Whereas normally by this time every team's got like sixteen games under their belt. Something like that. At least a dozen. And not everybody can go do a pod like uh the NCHC did and get their what nine, ten games in.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely been I mean I feel bad. I feel bad for Northern having to play three and four like that and you could tell on Sun or Saturday night. That you know they were not uh they were not as quick as they were on Friday, right but uh it's it has been a weird season for that, you know everybody's starting at different delayed times, and so it's it's been it's been tough for teams to know whether or not you're gonna get the you know get the angry or the rusty from the the other teams,
1: yeah you know yeah, you don't know if you're gonna get if they're gonna benefit from not having the uh the break, or the or they're gonna come out rusty.
2: Yeah. Well, I will say though, just talking about kind of some of the expectations, you can already see, and Joe touched on this a little bit during the show today. I think you can already see some of the growth of the freshmen getting used to college hockey, just in the five games that have been played. Uh, Bantle and Kaderoff, I think, are two of the bigger examples of it. You're watching those guys. Play a little more of a of a strength style forward where they're they're using their body to hold guys off the puck a little bit more than they were in the first couple of games, and there was a couple of shifts on I think it was on Saturday where where Bantle was the guy in in the forechecking side of things just holding people off. Well, you know people got changed. That kind of stuff is real refreshing to see, and that wasn't there in the first couple of games for those two guys. So it's just like getting used to you know a different level of game that those guys are getting there quickly. It's only the fifth or fourth and fifth games of the season, right? So those guys are getting there quickly, which is really good to see.
1: Well, before we get into all of that, Ryan, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Otherwise, I know you said you uh, could hang around for the first half and it turned into an hour of us talking. So if you've got anything else you want to say, <laughs> you're welcome to it. Anything you want to plug, but otherwise I think we can let you go and focus on the Joe <laughs> Sean hour and, and tech a little bit more in our preview coming up here
0: um i'll just take off saying uh you know it was an interesting series um i i like michigan tech a lot on your team i think uh the huskies are gonna be tough to beat especially when they get the postseason as long as everybody stays healthy and uh northern it's just i think right now they're just showing their rust they've been laid off for so long and they're just trying to get into a groove and uh i'm i'm thinking they'll Start to get with it once they can get back to a consistent schedule. But uh, as always, Tech Northern—it's always a fun weekend—and uh, I'm intrigued to see what's happened the next time they hook up. So yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, we
2: got we got another opportunity. Coming thanks up for soon, having so. me, guys. I appreciate
0: <laughs> it. Uh, I'll like to h- look forward to coming back again. Yeah. All
1: thanks right, thanks for Arles joining again. us, Ryan. So to kind of take what uh, Rob said there before we let Ryan go and, and roll that into the Joe Sean hour. I know he talked quite a bit about the development of Bantle and Cateroth. Yeah. And, and the expectation that Bantle probably won't be a Husky for four seasons, which I think is a good thing. I think, if he does like, if he's there for four years, that probably means he's a big disappointment. In yeah, all honesty.
2: No, and that's unfortunate for the way college hockey works, but that's the way college hockey works, right?
1: I mean, I mean, yeah. as a drafted player, he's likely to leave after three years. Yep. If he's yeah. if he's good, because of the whole free agency, if he makes it through four years, yeah, uh, and So that, it makes and that's sense good. not to wait.
3: And that's good for the program too, because it looks good for other future recruits to show that. Players can come to Tech, develop, and then jump to the next level and be successful at the next level. So it would be the, it would be great if Bantle was the type of player that was only here for a few seasons, developed and then became a, you know, a good player at the next level. That I mean, that's only a, a good thing. You know, yeah, it sucks that he's not that he wouldn't be here for four years, but the overall positive definitely outweighs the negative on that.
2: Yeah, I don't like the fact that it's you know it's college sports, right? You're here to be a student and be an athlete and all that. It kind of goes against the the theme of, of of you know being a student athlete to not finish up. But I think from a tech perspective, a lot of the guys that have left have finished their degrees up at a later date, anyways, uh, which I do find impressive. Honestly, I mean, I find it impressive that anybody. Goes to college and plays at a D one level or even a D two level. It's a lot of time spent away from the classroom that those guys are busy, you know, doing classes at the same time they're doing uh, doing an incredibly demanding sport. But I think you're right on, Dustin. If he if he's there for more than three years, it means that something has gone wrong development wise, and that the team that's drafted him isn't is letting him cook a little bit longer, right? and given how quickly he's been progressing this year i yeah, i don't i think Joe's spot on with that and joe's obviously going to know and is going to have had those conversations with uh, i don't know who's got who's he drafted by i'm trying to remember but whoever arizona. it is arizona whoever it is he's had those discussions right i mean there's no way a, a player goes to a program without that open line of communication between the coaching staff uh, and the nhl organization so it it's only Seems a like good
3: a He's like Arizona's top draft pick from this last year. Now, after they had to cut cut ties with the the racist kid.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> right.
2: Good, <laughs> good, work there, Coyotes. Yeah, nice follow
1: yeah. up on that one. Yep. <laughs> touch base on. Yeah, that I haven't one heard anything time.
2: more about that story. And in all honesty, that's that's how it should be. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, he's what? It, yeah, he's allowed uh, to be a student at North Dakota, but he's been removed from the hockey team as well. At North, at North Dakota. Yeah, yeah so. correct. Um, yeah, and I, I think. No, I think
2: that that's right on.
1: I thought the other good comment he had too was um about, uh, was it like He said he thought like could probably play the entire game the way he skates and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> right, everything. I yeah. thought that was kind of a fun comment about, and it's it's good to see that Joe has that confidence in those guys to be able to play like sure. that. I mean it reminds me of that the the girl from Red Wing Dustin, wasn't it? She would she played the whole game, didn't she? Wasn't yeah, that, that from that, Red Wing? Um, she would go yep, back on was... defense when she needed a break and then when she was rested she'd go back and play forward for a shift. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, in, in high
3: school that's what she did. Yeah.
2: So that's that's in high school, right? How bad yeah. are the teams you're playing that you just like fade back to D and skate around for a bit? <laughs> Is that on like well, a, just a how really good she successful was. program or well, I mean, she you know committed I mean?
1: to Minnesota at like fifteen or something, didn't she? No, the that one that we're
3: talking about, she played D one, but it was uh, Ivy League, one of the Ivy League schools oh, okay. out east. Gotcha. The one, um, another one from Red Wing, another girl from Red Wing did go to yeah, Minnesota. I mean,
2: but... If if you're if you're doing that, the team you're playing against has got to be terrible. Because I mean, think about. Think about how like a tech game would be back in the day, right? The defense is the guys getting worked the most, <laughs> you know. You've got to be pretty one-sided on the ice that going back to D is your way of getting a break.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's a reason that there's only six defensemen and there's 12 forwards cuz you you can play more of a game as defense. It right? depends
3: what kind of a defenseman you are. If you're a smart defenseman and you know how to take angles and you can definitely you can play a game that Allows you to put put up a lot of minutes if you're a defenseman and you play a very very smart game. It's right. all
2: because skating backwards regains your energy, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, so like, it's, it's like regenerative car. It's regenerative braking. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I knew there was a secret.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be like undoing the odometer in uh, Ferris yeah. Bueller or something. <laughs>
2: Yeah, see his ice time was only this he much in a work. positive direction. It evens out. <laughs>
1: well, and then the other one the other <laughs> comment that I thought was good for him to go into was about uh Buckley. And I know at least on our Discord, we've seen a lot of discontent in, in Buckley playing as much as he has. Um and and in general coming into this year, I certainly was disappointed that Buckley hadn't played a bigger role. Because I thought he came in pretty well um Like, his stats in the BCHAL were pretty impressive, and I thought he would be a bigger contributor. And Joe pointed out that I think he leads the team in plus-minus so far this season at plus-five through, what is it now, eight games. Um, So I think he's really doing a good job of kind of finding his feet at this level. And since, like, he did take a major, right? I think earlier. Uh,
2: last year. year, yeah. Well, no, last I thought, year he did. I thought that.
1: this year he had some penalty issues too, but I think he's found he's he's found a way to be better with that now. Um, and then Joe obviously did his little no, explanation. No, Buckley's got no
2: penalties this year.
1: No penalties this year. Okay.
2: Yeah, he's got zero penalty minutes. But yeah, he is plus five. That is the that is the best out there that we've got uh, in terms of plus minus. Uh, there's been nobody this year that I can really think of that's not doing what's expected. And there's also nobody that's really a a high standout on the team either from, from, from things. Everybody seems to be contributing pretty evenly and all the lines seem to be rolling so far, which I honestly think is a really good thing.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean Bliss is obviously the one that sticks out with 7 points, 3 goals, 4 assists. He's tied for the lead in goals and one behind Sawyer for assists and leads the team in points, but he's also got one of the majors and a uh, misconduct. Um yep, but that so who he is he the who's on who's on the line with Misiek? That came up today too. That he's playing center now with who? You got a box. Uh, the lines up. have been the like...
2: lines have been pretty well r- rotated earlier in the year. You know, Kaderoff and and uh, and Bantle were on the line together with each other, and Joe split those guys up uh, over the last couple of games, which I think is a good thing. You know, getting a couple of those big guys spread out is is probably not a bad idea, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: but. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to. I'd have to dig up a line chart. I don't have one in front of me. That's probably not. A, I've got a whole bunch of tabs open of stats and stuff, so I can look them up real quick and sound smart. But I don't have that one handy.
1: <laughs> of course not. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, but I yeah, I think the I,
2: most the most impressive stat, and I, I do think Joe touched on it, is that even with taking three majors this year, our penalty kill has only given up a goal, and none of them. Have been on the major,
1: yeah. We're no, third I in think, the nation I in penalty think,
2: killing right now at ninety five percent.
1: Where where are we at on power play now after the weekend? Uh, I can
2: click on that column and sort that percent. way. Yeah, it's uh, that's not as nice of a stat. We're thirty no, third. But,
1: but what is the percent? Because thirteen of point
2: thirteen point six.
1: Okay, so that has dropped because they didn't get one this weekend, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we're Another definitely bottom, we're, we're bottom half there uh, in, in yeah. power play goals, but ninety five percent on the PK is uh, that'll well, do. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that number, <laughs> especially on. I mean, when you give up two majors to Minnesota State and don't let a goal get scored on them, yeah. that's not bad. <laughs> that's really really good, you know. So I'm. I'm more than happy with the way the PK has been playing this year. That's been been a really high point so far. And even, even though we do have a PK that's high, we also haven't taken that many penalties. There have been relatively penalty few games. I mean, there's yeah, three majors. Other than, but Other
1: than the majors, I think it's yeah. it's been a really good effort from that standpoint. Yeah,
2: I, I like the discipline that the team seems to be showing uh, for that kind of thing. That, that, that's really good to see.
1: And as we've heard over the years the, the your best penalty killer is your goaltender and Pietola has been awesome it's um, yeah it's hard oh, to it's see the- how Sinclair is going to get a whole lot of minutes i know joe talked about that again where their pitch to sinclair was we're losing bay we've got a a person who's going to be a sophomore that only played a couple of game a handful of games last year and a freshman so the job is kind of up in the air who's who it's going to be and he's been really impressed with the two of them battling for playing time and 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 battling in practice to see who the better goaltender is and Petel has done a great job of taking the reins and not resting on the fact that he's got the he's kind of got the number 1 job now and Sinclair hasn't from what Joe said has been great in practice with pushing him which is what you need yep. Um, it sounds like those guys kind of understand their role right now, and Bailey's obviously third in that hierarchy of things, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if he develops into a fine goalie when he gets his chance, but you kind of look at it as Piedla's the man for this year, and, and Joe's going to have to go back to the well for another freshman uh, because I don't think he's going to get a transfer with a kid like Pietla still having time left. Unlike yeah, this year where that. he's got a, where he had more of an open situation. Um But yeah, I think, you know, for, for this, this was really a Joe show that did have a lot of segments where I took away something from them. And I think it, part of that too, is the fact that we're eight games into the season now instead of six or four or two where there's more of an overall picture that he can paint versus focusing so much on one game. And I think some of the questions led him in the right direction. Um, you know, the the fans don't always give him the best questions, but I thought they were really good this week and, and they sparked some good conversation uh, overall. So, yeah, I don't know. Anything else from the show or just from the weekend in general or so far this season?
2: I like that Dirk got a question.
1: <laughs> I thought that was kind of nice. I should I
2: thought uh, that was good too. I mean, Dirk's always the asking uniform. the question, but Dirk Dirk got to actually be the one get asked. You know, the the, the it got turned around on him, which I thought yeah. was neat.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that was good. Um, I thought the discussion on Misiak as the as playing center and kind of sparking, uh, some more offense in him and and being good. Did you? So who was on his line this weekend? Rob,
2: I'm still trying to dig. I'm actually digging for that on my monitor right now. That's what I'm clicking around on. Okay. I haven't. I have not gotten to it yet.
1: College hockey Man. You know, we're only at an hour and six minutes. So. Oh,
3: I, <laughs> Piratino was one of them. I'm trying to remember from the Joe's show. pertino was one of them. Was it Bretzman, Missiac, Pirtino? I'll
1: get it here in a sec. It was Bliss Mistiak Pertino. Bliss, you found it, okay. okay? Yep.
2: And the other thing that's completely unrelated to hockey, but as I'm scrolling through, uh, I got to see—I seen a couple of pictures of it. The the pictures this week of the canal iced over makes me wish I was back home just so I could go skate.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was we could uh, we can yeah. definitely. Uh, I mean, talk I grew up in
2: the E P right? Me. I grew up. I I grew up in in, in Hubble, right? So. I'm familiar with how the ice tip typically tends to look in the canal. And I don't remember seeing ice that clear maybe once or twice growing up. It, it just well, doesn't happen. It's, There's...
1: it's happened. This is the second time it's happened since I followed tech because I thought it happened yeah, I... once under Mel
2: they did they, they actually went out and they practiced and I think Phillips was actually that was when Phillips was playing actually yeah is they went they out went and practiced on, practice on, on the portage yeah. on, on the portage yeah yeah but you, you the amount of snow that gets there that the, the ice just doesn't have the chance to develop that cleanly you no, get a layer of snow you get, layer you get a layer of ice you get a layer of snow yeah. yeah so the ice is absolute crap to skate on yeah. And so it's, I remember, you know, like ice fishing and taking our skates with us as kids and you'd go out and skate for a while. Then you'd fall into a slush pit somewhere and you'd be like, screw this. I'm going back to the shanty now because this yeah. is dumb. You can't skate.
1: No, that, it, but, it just... but that definitely reminded me of like the the one scene from Mystery Alaska, right? Like the the black ice, yeah. like it looks perfect. It I was mean, a in... gorgeous video. We'll have to... Um... We'll have to pin then, to that lovely tweet that Michigan Tech sent out and tagged our least favorite college hockey pundit, Butchegrass. Oh, um,
3: that depends if you consider Dilks
1: a pundit. Okay, I don't know. I I kind of put. Uh, I don't think Dilks has the voice that Butchegrass has, and I just can't. I can't stand him anymore. Thank God. And I think some of it was. Um, Rob, were you the one that was one of the first ones I heard complaining about, like, the college hockey Yeah, stuff?
2: I've never been a big fan of it. I feel like he's promoting his brand rather than college hockey instead. And I don't like—my biggest gripe about it is student-athletes are supposed to be the namesake of college hockey, right? These are guys that are studying for degrees, and at Tech, some of them are studying for relatively difficult degrees— and if your whole shtick is misspelling how college hockey is supposed to be spelled, it just looks, <laughs> it just looks, it's not the look you want for a student athlete. It, just I don't, I don't care that. for it. I don't, it's a shtick to me. And now that being said, he's the only one that gives college hockey its place on a major national platform. I appreciate that completely. He is actually, he does actually seem to care about the sport and uses his position as a as an espn person to carry that there and 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 give the sport some some actual airtime on national media which we know even the nhl doesn't get national media half the time when you look at winter yeah. the top 10 on espn for winter sports and you see five different guys jumping up and dunking i don't get it but that's me i don't <laughs> like basketball <laughs> so you know it it uh, it's frustrating to me to see how much how much uh, college hockey gets missed, and, and hockey in general gets missed by the major sports networks. Yeah,
1: that's I my rant on Butchie. That's fine. And that that's, that's
2: been my rant on Butchie for a long time.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think we got that covered. the The next thing on the list was the preview of the Huntsville series because. Next week's podcast between Christmas and New Year's is going to be about jerseys and a f- segment about flow hockey, which I'm sure a couple of our listeners are just going to love to death. But we already <laughs> recorded that last week and I just need to get around to editing it. And I kind of plan this out so that we'd get all this stuff done so our guys can kind of take off next week and not worry about anything. So you'll get that next week. So the preview's here and I'll mention that. I'll probably add an extra recording of me doing an intro and talking about that being on last week's episode or the, this episode. But so far we've got Huntsville has played four games. They're three three and one with an, um, a tie against Lake state. I honestly don't know. I don't, I don't know if they played a shootout in that one, but it was non-conference. So technically they didn't have to or shouldn't have, um, but they've lost 5-2 to Robert Morris, 4-3 to Robert Morris, tied Lake State, and then lost 3-2 to Lake State. All four games were on the road, and then they go to Tech. Um, and despite what the CHN app says, Joe, or, uh, Dirk reminded us on Monday's show that these games are actually going to be Saturday and Sunday, not Friday-Saturday.
2: Oh, great. Another one of those weeks where we can't remember what day hockey games were played.
1: Yep. And... Where is it going to give me that here? I took a snapshot of that. Because it, it is correct on the Michigan Tech website. So the games will be 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday and 2 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Um, with Huntsville coming up to Tech. And uh, I actually had the people from Seymour Sports reach out to me to want to be on the podcast for when Tech plays Huntsville. But we already had Ryan lined up to kind of do a recap. So I pushed them to the other series we're gonna have with Huntsville thanks to the additions to the schedule that we got. Yeah, this they're last coming week. up
2: for Carnival, right?
1: Uh is that Carnival no. weekend they're
2: filling in for? No? Okay.
1: No, they're the weekend after that, I think. Gotcha. If I remember correctly. They um No. Yeah, we're going to Oh, maybe they are. I thought it was. I thought oh, it was early. I'm looking at the wrong thing. I could, so,
2: I could be wrong, though.
1: No, we go to Huntsville, the... What is this? all? Oh, it's got them both in there. So we go to Huntsville on February 4th and 5th, and then we host Fair State for Carnival on the 11th and 12th. Yeah. Um, so that's what's going on there. The, the Alaska stuff is still on my schedule for some reason, so it's goofy looking. But um, sure, sure. Yeah, so they'll go down to Huntsville. We'll have the Seymour Sports people on to talk then. In um, we'll we'll record in January probably, or I guess early. Should February. I know we'll who Seymour Sports is?
2: Huntsville. The, the people that do the Huntsville shows, the Huntsville broadcasts.
1: No, that's um. Are there? Are they out of? They're out of North Dakota, I think, actually. <laughs> and somehow oh, like really? that's part of what we're going to talk about is how they ended up covering Huntsville in huh. all of this. Okay. I, thought um, they,
2: I thought they were the group that was down there that did it, but I guess I'm wrong.
1: No, that is uh, the penalty box out of Nashville. Does the That's who
2: I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking of then.
1: What? Wrong account. Oh, that's right. I'm not going to figure that out here. Let me get mine. My phone this is great radio again i'm so good at this
3: now that we have um yes, now that I we got, have the 100 year jerseys do you see my glass
2: nice i was gonna ask there is, is that an acceptable level of sound in the background for w- dustin to pour whiskey as opposed to us opening beers
1: <laughs> i guess so we'll find out <laughs> when i actually get around to the uh, podcast
3: so that um oh, it's people happen. that actually watch this will be able to appreciate the, the beauty of my uh my etched glass made.
1: Custom- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Seymour sports people are out of Fargo. Um and for whatever reason they've they've latched on to um Huh. Like they're independent journalists and uh yeah, I I've seen them, I follow them on my regular Twitter, I think, but they reached out to the Chasing McNaughton Twitter. And I asked to be on for that. And I think that's great that we have somebody now to talk to for those series. Yeah, um, no, that's
2: one of my favorite things uh, about the podcast is is talking to the local beat writers or someone from the program or that knows the program better yeah. when we play somebody to get that perspective. I think that's a lot of fun.
1: No, and I don't think I can pull that up here because I doubt it properly synced. But we have, I have like the whole schedule kind of figured out now um for those this is probably probably be patreon only here but we're and rob it's um
3: it's lagavulin
2: nice nice
1: yeah so we we had ryan this week single yeah (laughs) then we have ryan johnson and david cummings back again next week because we recorded that last week we'll try and get shane frederick on ahead of the minnesota state series we'll have harrison watt on ahead of the fair state series I thought it would be good if we can try and touch base with Adam Nimi uh, before the LSU series to get the feel from the tech beat writer side, and then we got Drew Evans come back when we play Bowling Green, and then the guy's name is Oliver from Seymour Sports before we play Huntsville, and then we'll either do Harrison Watt again. Uh, Like right now, I've got Harrison Watt, Austin Monteith, who was on last year for BSU, and then Ryan Stieg again to finish out the year. Um, But one of those three weeks, we might try and mix in some of those other people I put in the poll, whether it's Todd Maluski to catch up on Big Ten or um, Schlossman to talk about North Dakota and the NCHC or Matt Wellens for the same thing except UMD. Uh, and then it kind of all depends on whether or not you guys can attend every week, and and if you can't, we'll we'll see about having Biddy back on. I think that worked well because he's got a different perspective, but he's watching most of the tech games because Bethlen probably makes him. <laughs> Just kind of run be on for
3: the rest of you. The rest of I should be on the rest of the season.
2: Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't see missing any. No more power.
3: no more golf trips planned.
2: I don't go anywhere anymore. Well, maybe we'll just have Biddy on as
1: a a fourth instead of a host if a host can't make it, just to get that outside perspective. Um, So one other thing that we can kind of circle back to um, was the one question that we got the other week where one of our listeners was disappointed that after all the talk we've made about Tanner Edwards that they were unable to watch him play against Tech the other weekend, <laughs> and and I told has him he specifically all yet? he has not played at all yet. So I I told him specifically that I'd wait for Dustin to be back since Dustin and I are kind of the ones championing the whole Tanner Edwards storyline, and it's kind of funny now.
3: Why does it sound like there's like an operator in the background?
2: Oh, well, that's Tim's phone.
1: It's me being it's, weird.
2: It's been it's been doing that this whole time.
1: Like oh it, really? I, I just started slightly? hearing in the last is that what like it is? the crackle. Oh, the no, crackle. it's not a crackle.
3: It like it sounds like there's like a like a voice for, that is on the you know the radar the the over the air t- weather <laughs> radar. That's what it sounds like in the background.
1: Uh, I don't know.
2: Oh, well, the NSA has hooked into Dustin's call and we don't even know about it, Tim.
1: I haven't. I don't hear that. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't have it. it either. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to do some fiddling with everything so this okay. stuff works well, again next it. week. That's fine. Uh, anyway, so. Thoughts on Tanner Edwards and the fact that he has not played yet?
3: Well, I think that it's just that that is an extremely tough lineup to crack. I mean, it's... Who's he going to knock out of that lineup? I mean, yeah, Mankato was four lines deep with tons of skill. I mean, is it, he... it's, it was always going to be difficult for him to get in the lineup.
2: Is I he think... actually there and, and on campus? Because. Like for us, I think we've got one guy that hasn't played any games yet, but he's on the roster. I don't see Edwards on the he's Minnesota on the roster. State roster. Is he's he on the roster?
1: Yeah, he's okay. Um, he showed up. I'm looking
2: nine. at I'm looking at uh, College Hockey News, and he's not shown there at he's all. He's
1: Number nine. In, see if that's got okay a nine for you guys for yours. Um, he's on the CHN roster and listed as stats with no games played and everything. Uh I think you you also have to look at it as. Minnesota State's only played five games. A bunch of their games have been canceled or postponed so right. far, that there's been less opportunity. Whereas I think Michigan Tech and and Joel, as an individual, has done a good job of trying to take these non-conference games as sort of exhibitions in a way. Of well, I
2: mean, look at his I'm going to get everybody of...
1: minutes and and let them all play yeah. because these games don't matter as much as the <coughs> the the games in January beyond. Oh, I mean, I I look at this example that he gave
2: with the goalies. I think that's a perfect example of managing the goalies well. And, you know, we, we've we given Joe a ton of stick about how the goalies have been managed over the years. Uh, you know, not just in, on the podcast, but just in general. And I've this had year, no complaints this year. Exactly. <laughs> you, playing, Sinclair, playing Sinclair that game after Pietro played two good games – you know, is it a good example of why those non-conference games make a difference? You want to get guys game time. And if if it means, you know, playing a guy that can uh, get an actual game experience in, that makes perfect sense. It lets you see that. And if it's non-conference in a year where non-conference, frankly, isn't most likely going to mean anything, why not do it?
3: We don't know what it's going to mean.
2: We it have no idea. Mean. These right.
3: games absolutely could mean something, but we just don't know. It feels
2: yeah. like to me like the old, uh, you know, the shtick at the beginning of whose line is it anyway? You know, the game is the where, the where the point the games are fun and the points don't matter or whatever it is. Yeah, that's what all these these games feel like until we hit actual conference play. Well,
1: I think well, until, I think, I think part of the reason that they matter. I think part right. of the reason they don't matter is because it's the WCHA and the expectation is is they're going to get screwed in any system that doesn't guarantee the league more than one team because of this yeah. this season without the proper pairwise comparisons. Mm-hmm. And that kind of came up on the assumption. show, too. We're going to get
3: screwed. And like, which is
2: frustrating because, I mean, look at what Bowling Green did this weekend, right? Yeah, they right. went out to Quinnipiac and, and swept. That would be huge in a normal year from a pairwise and it, perspective. And it
1: still might be because there's so few. But at the same time, they didn't sweep Robert Morris, right? Or was it Mercyhurst? I forget.
2: It was Mercyhurst, Mercy, I So Robert Morris swept Huntsville, I believe, this last weekend, didn't they?
1: I don't know, but you're not going to have any comparisons to the NCHC because I don't think they're playing anybody but NCHC. Are they? And the only I team don't that I
3: could so. think of, the only team I could think of that might is either Bemidji or Mankato, and I don't think.
2: I, no, I don't, I don't think so. Are. I think the NCHE is nope. sticking it all within itself. Same thing with the Big Ten; they're sticking it all within themselves as well. I believe, with the exception of Arizona State. Yep. You and know, Arizona State's touring just playing the entire them. So country. So it's not. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, this year Arizona State is a member of the Big Ten, just a member that you know Can't they're basically the like the small. They're like the small brother that nobody you know want. They're, they're along because mom made them, and they're gonna have to be you know every every weekend they get crapped on and get to go somewhere else. Just the punching bag for the league, always on the road, but they're getting their games in.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. it It'll be interesting to see, but the I think it makes sense for Michigan Tech to kind of treat these games as exhibition because they're not going to help determine WCHA standings unless something weird happens. I you know if their other series with Lake State gets canceled over COVID, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the games we played count. So that's the one question. Is hopefully, if hopefully, if something like that is possible, Joe knew that at the beginning and still decided to do what he did, which is fine. And really, that series itself, I don't think Joe made mistakes like that. Like Sinclair got the shutout, <laughs> so he played him again, and then it wasn't as good the the second night. Like it, it is what it is. But um,
3: hopefully, if that happens, it happens. Uh, with the league series against Northern, right. So the series that we swept, <laughs>
1: gets
2: switched. <in. laughs> right. Hey, and given Northern's track record, maybe that is or a possibility. Mankato. I'd or take Mankato. I take
1: a split against Mankato, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> it'll be fine. Well, I mean, we've all
2: we've all been frustrated over the years at you know Huntsville goalies. So having Sinclair come up here and perform well isn't a surprise to me.
1: No. Um,
2: they've always had good goalkeepers.
1: So kind of back to the Huntsville series. Busy what, what do you guys think? for the series itself. I know I haven't had a chance to really watch Huntsville much this year, but you know, the fact that they haven't done that well in their four games doesn't really surprise me. They're in a tough spot. I don't expect a whole lot from them, especially when you look at uh, stuff like Sinclair leaving. I don't think he was the only one either. Was he? I I don't, I
2: honestly haven't followed them well enough to know how many people they left lost to the transfers.
1: I
3: remember seeing one guy went to Long Island, so I. but I don't know who, and I don't know how important he was, but yeah. they lost more than Sinclair.
1: Yeah. So they've lost a few guys. I don't – I mean, they've given Michigan Tech fits at times, but that's more been a matter of inability of Tech to finish and not hit the goalie in the chest and make the goalie look awesome. And I don't think they have the – I guess they have one goalie that's done – decent it looks like all three huh. goalies have played and what how, how many minutes has this guy actually even played 100-
2: speaking of Huntsville Huntsville goalies whose names we recognize looking who their assistant coaches uh who Carmine Guerrero
1: oh nice um so they've got a sophomore goalie David Fez who's played 105 minutes so far with a 1.14 goals against average and a 9.57 save percentage. I'd say that's pretty good, so I'm guessing he's gotten, well, when was the, those games that were actually decent? So he must have played most of the Lake State series. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't expect a whole lot. I'm, I'm going to I mean, I don't think it's much to go out on a limb and say Tech sweeps this series. Um, It is only a two-week break. The the biggest question marks are if anybody who does go home comes back with COVID and can't play, that's one of the bigger question marks that I've got going into that series.
2: Yeah, I'm curious how many players are going home or how many are staying on campus. Joe kind of alluded a little bit to what's going to go on over break, and it sounds like a lot of the players are sticking around. Uh, and that those that do come back have to be tested obviously before they get back into close contact with the rest of the team so yep. it's a uh, it's a good approach to you know, take
1: and i wouldn't expect yeah uh i i can't imagine anybody's going far and like i would well, assume that's, that's
2: that's one of the things i was just looking at kind of at the roster on how it's changed over the last few years we've become a much more midwestern based roster uh than we ever have been that i can remember right which i don't think is a bad thing it's nice to see players from uh from the local area getting their chance to do their thing rather than you know a bunch of canadian guys nothing against the canadian guys but
1: but it is surprising uh, how much they have not succeeded in recruiting canada over the last few years
2: is, Um, is it not succeeding in recruiting canada or is it is it getting recruits out of the Midwest that they typically wouldn't be getting before, so the need for Canadian recruits isn't there?
1: Well, but I always thought...
3: I think it's a little of both. A little of right. both. I, I think, think they've been doing mixture. very
1: good in the Midwest, but I also <laughs> think there's little reason that they shouldn't be trying to get guys like Batan out of the well, BCHL. Look at the,
3: the BCHL was where previously a, a huge chunk of our Canadian recruits came from.
2: Right, offensive-minded Canadian recruits.
3: And I don't think the BCHL style of play matches what Joe wants to play.
2: Yeah, that's exactly that's what very I mean sp- by that's offensive. Very
3: offensive hockey.
1: Yeah. And, and I also think the, the connections have been lost to some extent. Jamie Russell had a lot of connections to that league. Ian Calais had a lot of connections to Western BC. And then uh, McCult had a lot of connections to that area that you don't, you don't, none of the coaches are uh, Western Canadian guys from what I remember. I know, I can't remember where Brooks is from, but it's not like he's got, um, like, it just, they don't have that guy that, that can, but I do think Dustin's point holds a lot of water that that league does not really suit Joe's style and you're going to get If you get guys out of that league, it's going to be a tough learning curve to play Joe's style, and you can take Buckley as a prime example of that, how long it's taken him to get enough playing time because he's had to show that he can play Joe's defense first style, which is not the BCHL at all. That makes sense that that's part of it. And maybe that's why you're seeing more of these guys come from – that the that Central Canadian Hockey League in Eastern Ontario, where maybe that style fits a little better with what Joe wants, and there must be some other connection there that we just don't know, and maybe it's just as simple as they somehow convinced Brett, and Brett helped convince this, or uh, and Thorn helped convince this other kid to come because they were teammates, but it feels like it should be more than that. But at the same time, like you're talking about Dustin. Uh, there weren't a lot of Carson Bantles and Brian Hallinans and and uh, Tommy perrottino <clears throat> type kids from the Midwest choosing tech ten years ago. They just weren't right. Um, well, I
2: think that's I think that's a big big change in our how our recruiting has worked. And we're getting uh, bigger kids out of Wisconsin and Minnesota that we weren't getting before. That may have been going, you know somewhere else and we had to reach farther afield to to feel the team that had d1 guys in it because we weren't getting those players
1: yeah
3: and even michigan too we're getting higher quality in-state recruits than we were before
2: yeah for sure without a doubt now a lot of that seems to be a bit of the legacy you know the legacy connection right you know thank goodness some for of them the are, Piet- some of them aren't thank goodness for the pieta family and the, that family tree <laughs> seems to there seems to be something there that makes really good hockey players, right? Uh, and they all have a deep seated connection to the copper country and to, and to tech. And, and I, I've got to imagine that's a big part of coming up here. Uh, it is the family history that a lot of those, those, those guys have with the area, which is a fantastic thing to see, right? But, uh, that's why a lot of those guys are up here from what I understand.
1: Yeah. But I mean, there's plenty of kids on the team that don't have that. I mean, you like what connection? No, I don't, does, not That's saying it's all of them. Yeah. Does Domisiak and uh, Crespi and Datamon life Lightball have? Like, I don't know if any of them have that connection. It's just basically the Pietola clan at this point, and Hallinan. Yeah, and I was,
2: he's a. Oh, well, he's a part of the Pietola clan, from what I from yeah. the tree. Somebody and yeah. I don't remember where it was or where I saw it. Someone drew the whole this is how the Piedola family connects to Michigan Tech Hockey and had a big sprawling uh, yeah. Tech Hockey family tree out there and, for and, it.
1: And Joe's on one of those branches. I think <laughs> I think by marriage.
2: Yeah, I believe you're right. <laughs> um,
1: anyway, I uh, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Otherwise, I have enough editing to do as it is. <laughs> sure.
3: Well, I mean, as, as far as like, Predictions for this, we, we we never did and actually did predictions for this weekend. I said they sweep, um, but
2: yeah, I never. I, yeah, I'm, I'm saying a sweep too. Yeah,
3: you know, I, I agree with the sweep, and I think after this past weekend, anything less than a sweep would be disappointing. They, they I got would momen- agree. It, it feels like they've gained some momentum, and they're playing well, and I think in the years past, we've seen in the same kind of situation, they'll stub their toe against a team like Huntsville. So I'm really interested to see, can they follow through and put them away? Because if they're as good as they looked last weekend, they should put, them, put Huntsville away.
2: What I want to see is is us get that early goal and then not get frustrated and struggle to put the game away and to leave it in doubt for so long.
3: I'd, I'd so like, like to see we pile on.
2: Yeah, I'd love pile to on. see a pile on game. I haven't win seen one by, of those. Win
1: by, don't be afraid to win by five goals. <laughs> yep, that'll be nice.
2: That would that would not make me sad.
1: Yeah, and it and it is definitely obviously. It's I think it's probably more weird for Joe than maybe any of the players to not have the GLI next. Um, yeah,
2: I I am struggling with that not happening uh, myself. It's it's weird.
3: Well, I'll get used it to just,
2: it. It doesn't... <laughs> yeah. That I mean, did we did we see the last one last year? Maybe that's another topic for the ne- next podcast, but... I don't think so. Uh, I would
1: assume the contract is going to just... like I would assume that the contract has some clause that because it's not happening, it just gets pushed out a year, but who knows? I don't see that. I don't see that not having the opportunity to go out the way it should. That I really hope that if if the GLI ends that we all know it's going to be the last one when it happens, not just, I mean, I've, I've contractor. never been
2: to one, so I I would try to get to the last one, I think.
1: Yeah. If, if they have it next year, I kind of feel like I have to go even if we haven't been told it's the last one, cause there's a pretty good shot. It will be. Yeah. And then this will be a nice little segment for people who don't expect us to talk about that. Cause it's kind of uh Surprising, I would say, for the most part. But anyway, um, we all think Tech should sweep. We all think Tech should, you know, if if Michigan Tech doesn't improve their goals per game after next, the next series, we'll be disappointed. Um, I'm not sure the goals against average will improve, but because I think it's pretty good in general, isn't it? But one or two goals against and five or six scored is kind of what you you want to see. Four, five, four, five, six goals scored and one or two allowed would be a good weekend. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, and see what happens if if there are any surprises missing from the lineup due to COVID and the holidays and everything. But uh, with that, this should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash guide. Patrons at the black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. We've got two other levels. Go check them out at patreon.com slash guide. We actually have three, but... As the joke goes, I don't really expect any of you to sign up for the twenty-five-dollar uh, legends, whatever. I've got it at silver level. I don't even know. Do it. <laughs> well, if you if you sign up at the twenty-five-dollar level, I will take a dollar bill and light it on fire and send you a video of it because that's what you'll be doing with twenty-five dollars, pretty much. <laughs> You can submit questions to our email address, chasing Mac at TechHockeyguy dot com or send a voicemail message directly at anchor.fm slash chasing Mac Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast of your of your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. I'm trying to figure out how to get on some of the new fo- podcast places, such as I think Sirius XM does podcasts now. I know uh Amazon Music does them now. I haven't figured out how to submit ourselves to that one yet. Maybe we just won't get there because we're not uh, listened enough. Um, the more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. As always, th- uh, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McResin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. I'd also like to give another shout-out to Lauren Zukowski. Uh, we hope you enjoy... And lastly, thanks to The Thank You Notes, which is the name of the band, for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankunotes.bandcamp.com.